Welcome to Sightseeing Japan, the podcast where we explore the land of volcanic hot springs. I'm Paul Bresson. And I'm Jason Ealing. And today our topic is the Kyushu region of Japan. Now we've done three episodes so far about different regions of Japan. In the very beginning, we talked about Kanto and Kansai, two very popular areas to visit. We talked about Hokkaido not too long ago, which is the northernmost region. And now Kyushu, this is the southernmost region of Japan. Kyushu is also the name of the third largest main island of Japan, just southwest of Honshu, the biggest of the main islands. There are five main islands in Japan, and the Kyushu region includes another one of those main islands, Okinawa. That is surprising that they call Okinawa a main island because it is super tiny relative to the other main islands. Yeah, I thought five main islands. What's the fifth island? And I looked it up. I was like, Okinawa. All right, I guess. It's famous, but it's much smaller. Yeah. But Okinawa is a part of the Kyushu region because the Kyushu region is Kyushu itself and all Japanese islands south of it. Yeah, well, the Kyushu region used to just be right around the island of Kyushu, but Okinawa was tacked on. You know, it wasn't that long ago that Okinawa became a part of Japan, so they just stuck it on to the Kyushu region. Yeah, one of the more recent additions to the Japanese country. Right. But the the word Kyushu, did you see what that means? Nine provinces. Yeah, because in ancient Japan, there were nine provinces on that island of Kyushu. And Kyushu is separated from the biggest main island of Honshu by the Kanmon Straits. But there's a bridge, there are ferries, there are undersea tunnels. So it's super easy to get there from Honshu by car or by train. And Paul, did you see that in one of those undersea tunnels, you can actually walk or bike through there too? No, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Biking through an undersea tunnel to another island. Yeah. It would be fun. Wow. How far is that straight? I don't have a number, but it's not, not that far, not but far. it's not that close either. I don't know. I mean, looking at the map, it almost looks like they're very nearly connected. Okay. And the Shinkansen, the bullet train, goes down to Kyushu as well. Yep. That's how I got, well, that's how I got from Kyushu back onto Honshu. So the island of Kyushu is mountainous. And right in the middle of it is the most active volcano in Japan, Mount Aso, which is also actually one of the most active volcanoes in the world. Yep. It's always smoking and it erupts occasionally, most recently in July 2019. Wow. Not too long ago. So because of all this volcanic activity, you're going to find a lot of hot springs or onsen in Kyushu. All over the place. Yeah. Bunch of volcanoes, bunch of onsen. And Paul, in previous episodes, I've mentioned how Okinawa has a tropical climate. Yeah. Technically, apparently, it's subtropical, most of it. Ooh. Yeah, southern Kyushu down to Okinawa is subtropical, but apparently there are different climate scales, like different classification systems, you know? Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. Maybe, Everything's a little gray in that. Yeah. Like nothing fits perfectly necessarily into one climate. So maybe in some sense I was correct, but more accurate to say subtropical probably. But I also did see there's an island way down there, Iriomote Island, which does have a tropical rainforest climate. So, okay. okay. Yeah. There's some tropics. Yep. Yep. And this climate might explain why the people of this region are known for being laid back and cheerful. 
Why not? You're living in the subtropics. Sounds like a nice place to be. Yeah. And uh, Kyushu is pretty populated. It's about 13 million people on Kyushu Island. It's a decent number of people. Yeah. Decent percentage of the population in Japan. So. Mm-hmm. so if you're traveling to Kyushu on the Shinkansen, the first city you're going to arrive at right when you get to Kyushu is called Kitakyushu, which literally means North Kyushu. And it's the northernmost city of Kyushu. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> it's considered the gateway to Kyushu. Mm-hmm. And historically, it's been important for trade and international trade as well. So there was some really cool stuff I saw in Kitakyushu. I was about to glance over it. And then uh, what caught my eye was the Kawachi Wisteria Garden. So it's this private garden in a secluded wooden hillside south of central Kitakyushu. And it's famous for these 100-meter-long tunnels with wisteria trees of different colors draping over them. So if you come in the right season, it's just beautiful. I saw some pictures, and it looks amazing. Sounds cool. You need tickets in advance, though. You can't just show up at the door to this place. It's uh, highly sought after. But uh, the peaks are late April to early May for all the flowers, and then in the autumn for the maple leaf season. Sounds like a nice relaxing place to visit. See some pretty flowers. Yeah. Also in Kitakyushu, there's uh, Kokura Castle, which is a rebuilt castle. The castle didn't look super special. It looked pretty cool. Castles always look cool. Right. But what I thought was really cool about it is apparently in 1998, they built a Japanese garden on the grounds. And they used the castle keep as borrowed scenery as part of this garden. And they set up some traditional style rooms where you could sit on tatami floors and view the garden and the keep of the castle. Awesome. So that just sounds like really like relaxing and cool if you happen to be in town. Yeah. You mentioned borrowed scenery. Yeah. We mentioned it in our gardens episode. Right. If you want to explain it to everybody. Uh, Borrowed scenery is where... When you're designing a Japanese garden, sometimes they will use an element outside the garden and kind of bring that in and incorporate it into the views of the garden. So you could, you know, in this case, you'd have the castle keep that's not inside the garden, but you can see it and it might be framed by other elements in the garden. Yeah. So like on that side of the garden, they're not going to have a bunch of tall trees or big hills to block the view of the keep. Right. Like the view of the keep is going to be part of the design. Mm -hmm. So that looked really cool. Um, They've also got the Kitakyushu Manga Museum. So manga is Japanese comics. Mm -hmm. And uh, they've got a museum that focuses on artists that have affiliations to Kitakyushu. Awesome. And what I saw was really cool about this is that the museum occupies the fifth and sixth floors of Aruaru City, which is a mall completely devoted to anime, manga, games, and idol groups. Cool. Like all the nerdy stuff. So you can go buy whatever you want to buy and then go up and look at the museum on the top two floors. Like a mini Akihabara contained in a mall. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I cool. thought that was cool. Yeah. And then the best part about Kitakyushu that totally sold me is the Toto Museum. Toto as in the Japanese... Toilets? Toilet company. Uh. Yes. 
So they start with their first flush seat toilet in uh, 1914, and they take you through all toilet innovations between now and then. Cool. And Japan is very advanced in their toilets, if you don't know. Yes. So there's going to be, I I really want to go see that. I bet there's going to be the coolest stuff there that I've never even seen before. I wonder if they have like new prototypes for really magical toilets that you can try out. Oh, that'd be the best, (laughs) like the toilet of the future. Yeah. So remember, that's all I've got for Kita Kyushu. You remember in in the airports episode, we talked about, I don't remember which airport it was now, but one of them has a showroom or like a bunch of little cubicles with the latest toilets from Toto that you can try yeah, out. Yeah, I remember that. I don't remember which airport either. Yeah. Though. Well, if you want to know, go back to the airports <laughs> episode. It was an early one. So if you're moving south from Kita Kyushu, you're going to wind up in Fukuoka before long. So Fukuoka is on the northwest coast, just southwest of Kitakyushu. And that is the name of both the prefecture, we should probably say what a prefecture is, I guess. Prefecture is sort of like a state. You could think of it as like in the, in the U.S. we have states. In Japan, they have prefectures. Yeah, it's not exactly the same, but it's close. Yeah. It could be a county or a state or something yeah. like that. And it's just the closest comparison I can come up with for the U.S. to Japan. Yeah. Yeah, so it's the name of the prefecture and the capital city of that prefecture. Yeah, and Fukuoka City is the most populous city in Kyushu. Yeah. There's about two and a half million people in the metro area, so it's actually one of the bigger cities in all of Japan. And Fukuoka is a pretty cool place. I spent some time there on my recent trip. So I never thought too much about Fukuoka. I knew it was a big city, but I didn't know much about it. What I saw that I thought was really interesting is that it is the startup hub for Japan, as in like startup tech companies. Oh, It's the only place that's got an economic zone in Japan catered to startups. So they have things like tax reduction for startups, free business consultations, and they have the highest rate of new businesses opening out of any part of all Japan. That's surprising. I would have thought that Tokyo would be the place to be for that kind of thing. Yeah, right. That's why I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. So they've got a lot of tech, cutting-edge stuff in Fukuoka. Nice. It's also known for the yatai, which yes. is the food stalls. Yeah, there's a little island in the middle of the city called Nakasu. And there's a little area on there that just has a long row of these yatai food stalls where you can sit and try out a bunch of local food. That sounds awesome. I saw it mentioned in like every write-up of Fukuoka. Yeah. So like everybody's enjoying the street food in Fukuoka. Definitely. It's just like the thing to do. Yeah, it's pretty touristy too. I saw a lot of non-Japanese people there. Yeah, I bet. A lot of other cool stuff for tourists. You got those castle ruins that I talked about in our, our recap episodes. Yeah, and the ruins look cool because there's a bunch of stuff nearby. Mm-hmm. And there's like a Hori Park, which is like a park with a walk around a lake right next to it. That park is amazing, man. It's got this huge lake in the middle, and there's like a strip of land that goes through it with all these cool looking bridges on it. Like you can walk all the way kind of through this lake and then oh, around I know that. Yeah. And then around the park, there's all sorts of stuff. There's like a cafe, there's an art museum yeah, around there. Yeah. There's this big playground if you have kids that'd be a good place to bring them there's that japanese garden that i talked about that whole park is just a really i mean you could spend all day just looking around the stuff around there 
Yeah, so it's not just the castle ruins. Like it's a whole yeah, well, whole the, bunch. Yeah, of the stuff ruins right are kind of next to the park. Yeah, yeah, it's all like within very close walking distance. Yeah, yeah, I spent like a whole day walking around that area. Yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. Of course, I went to the sumo tournament, which is held in Fukuoka every November. Nice. Um, near those yatai, the food stalls, there's a really impressive shopping mall called Canal City actually has an artificial canal running through it. Yeah, I saw that. that. Like a little gimmicky, but it looked pretty cool too. It is cool. Looking. Like like a canal inside of a shopping mall. Yeah. That's that's cool. Yeah. I mean it's an it's like an outdoor shopping mall. You know? Yeah, it's a big look like a big place. Like there's a cinema, there's an amusement center. And it's really big. I kind of got lost like trying to find my way around that place. There's even a theater that has like Broadway shows and stuff come through. Oh really? Yeah. Cool. Um, did you know that the first Zen temple built in Japan is in Fukuoka? No. Shofukuji. Okay. So that's there. You can't go in the buildings because they're so old, but you can walk around. It's like a really cool Zen temple grounds. I bet. I bet they have cool gardens. I feel like Zen temple gardens always look really cool. I know. They're the, they're the best. Yeah. There are a couple of places that I didn't get a chance to visit on my trip, but they look pretty awesome. Paul, did you see anything about Umi no Nakamichi Seaside Park? No. There's kind of this little peninsula that sticks out from the city, and they have these beautiful gardens, big fields of flowers. They got cherry blossoms out there. There's a zoo. There's Marine World Umi no Nakamichi, which is an aquarium where you can see fish and marine mammals. They got seals and sea lions and otters. Seems like a good place to spend a day, maybe. That sounds cool. Yeah. There's also a section of town called Seaside Momochi, which is uh, purposely designed to be modern and attractive. It's got wide tree-lined streets, futuristic-style buildings, public parks, and there's no phone or electricity lines above ground anywhere. Um, There's a bunch of amusement places like beaches, museums shopping and dining, all the normal touristy stuff. Fukuoka Towers there too, which has an observation deck up top where you can get really good views of the ocean and the city, apparently. I bet. Did you see anything about a place called Hakata Machia Folk Museum? No. It looks pretty cool. They have a lot of local crafts. You can see a mock-up of a traditional merchant's home there. They have displays about Hakata's festivals. They have traditional artisans that you can watch making things. Nice. You can even, yeah, you can participate yourself in making origami or trying out some Japanese calligraphy. Ooh. Yeah. And you can even dress up in traditional outfits and masks. So especially for kids, they have a lot of fun with that. That's cool. Yeah. It's like a fun place to learn about the local history. So just uh, past the outskirts of Fukuoka, is the little quiet city called Dezaifu. And it was the administrative center for Kyushu for over 500 years. So there's a whole bunch of history. There's a number of temples and shrines, the most famous of which is called Dezaifu, Tenmangu Shrine. Also, I saw Kyushu National Museum is there, which looked like it had a ton of really good stuff about the history of Kyushu going back like past the last hundred years, like the last 500 years or whatever. Awesome. It looked really cool. So that's like a really nice, easy trip from uh, Fukuoka if you're there. 
Very cool. Where are we traveling to next? Well, why don't we spend a little bit of time in Oita Prefecture, which is going to be kind of southeast from Fukuoka Prefecture. So this is on the east edge, the northeast edge of Kyushu. What caught my eye was I heard Oita is famous for the intestines of pufferfish. Wow. Not just pufferfish, the intestines of pufferfish. Even when I went to that pufferfish restaurant, I don't remember them pointing out the intestines. I don't know if I ate those. Yeah, I mean, you got to go to Oita. So you're talking Oita City or the whole prefecture? The prefecture, I believe. Okay. Also a dish called Toriten, which is kind of like a tempura style chicken. Okay. You like dip it in soy sauce and a couple other things and then a batter and you fry it. That sounds good. And eat it with anything, apparently. (laughs) Gotta love those local specialties, man. Yeah. So one of the, I think, best cities to hit up in Oita is called Beppu. Yeah, Beppu is known for its onsen, hot springs. I've heard it described as an unmatched range of baths to be enjoyed. Yeah, Beppu. they're famous for all the their different types of baths, yeah. right? Mud bath, sand bath, steam bath. Yeah, let's explain what those are. This is a pretty cool idea. So you got your sand bath where they use the hot springs to naturally heat up sand and then you're just buried in this hot sand. <laughs> Bury me in sand. Sounds fun. They got those steam baths, so you're heated by the steam of a hot spring. Kind of like a sauna, but from a hot spring. I suppose. Okay. And then the mud baths. The mud baths are pretty self-explanatory. You got muddy hot water baths. And the city of Beppu has eight different springs. So you're going to find tons of onsen and traditional Japanese hotels, Ryokan, there. And there are a bunch of other onsen resorts all over Kyushu that boast different types of minerals in their water. They, all these different onsen are supposed to have different health benefits depending on the types of minerals in the water. Isn't that fun? That's cool. Mm-hmm. Did you hear about the hells of Beppu? Uh, I don't know. That sounds familiar, but... What do you got? They're apparently these spectacular looking hot springs that are for viewing, not suitable for bathing. They're too hot? Yeah. And maybe they've got like sulfur or whatever in there. Sure. So after you enjoy your baths, you can go take a little hike and like view these natural, beautiful hot springs and then go back and take another bath. <laughs> Sounds fun. Also- did, yeah, did we say this is supposed to be... So Beppu is supposed to have the best onsen on the island of Kyushu, and it's one of the most famous onsen spots in the whole country of Japan. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And if you want a little hike, there's Takasaki Mountain right on the edge of Beppu. It's famous for its wild monkeys. So also in Oita is a town called Usuki, and it's a former castle town on the east coast of Kyushu. It's famous for its numerous stone Buddhas, which are sculpted into walls and cliffs, and they've Mm. been designated as national treasures. Awesome. It's also got a little samurai district that you can tour. That's always fun. So that sounds like a nice little day trip. Yep. Where are we traveling next? I thought we'd stop over at Nagasaki. That's a good place to stop. Yeah. Again, Nagasaki is the name of the prefecture and the name of its capital city. It's pretty common. And 
most people have probably heard of Nagasaki because it was one of the two cities that was bombed by the U.S. in World War II. We should say bombed with an atomic bomb. The yeah. U.S. bombed yes. many Japanese cities with firebombs and other things. Yes. But there's a lot of other interesting stuff about Nagasaki. Yeah. One thing I didn't know is that it was, it's a really hilly city. Mm. That's what everyone was saying. So you walk through and you can get really cool views all of a sudden if like the buildings break. Oh, I can see the whole city from here. So I thought that was cool. Looked kind of nice. Yeah. You know, the coolest place that I found in Nagasaki is actually a little tiny island off the coast called Gunkanjima. Did you see anything about this? No, I didn't see anything about that. Awesome. Because I was excited to tell you about this. This looks so cool. So Gunkan... Do you remember that word coming up before in uh, a previous episode? Sounds familiar, but I don't remember. In the sushi episode, we talked about gunkan sushi. Ah, okay. Which was battleship sushi. It's shaped like an oval, like a battleship. So this is, gunkan jima is known as Battleship Island. The real name of the island is Hashima, but uh, known as gunkan jima. And it is an abandoned offshore mining facility. Oh, so they used to mine coal there, but it closed in 1974 when the mines were just about depleted. And then it sat there for 30 years, completely undisturbed. So sounds, you just got these old mining ruins. Isn't that awesome? It sounds like exactly the type of place you'd be interested in. Yes, oh, absolutely. Cool. So you just go explore all this abandoned stuff? Yeah, so it became a tourist attraction eventually because of these untouched ruins, and you can just go walk around and see all these old buildings that have been overgrown by nature. That sounds cool. Yeah. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about the bombing, you can go to Nagasaki Peace Park. It commemorates the bombing on August 9th, 1945. There's a memorial museum there. You can get information about that. There is a mountain near Nagasaki's city center that looks pretty cool called Inasayama. The view from the summit of this mountain is supposed to be one of the top three night views in Japan. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, you can get up there by car, bus, or ropeway. Paul, do you see anything about a place called Glover Garden? This place looks really cool, too. It's an open-air museum with mansions of the city's former foreign residents. Oh, okay. So Western merchants settled there in the second half of the 1800s after Japan opened its borders. And the main attraction is a place called the Glover House, which is the oldest Western-style wooden building in the country. That's cool. Yeah. I looked at pics. They look pretty cool. It's like a Western mansion, but they still have Japanese tiles on the roofs. I thought that was kind of funny. Interesting. I wonder if that was the only roofing material they had available when they built it, you know? Also, you got to protect against the typhoons, and those tiles do a really good job of that. True, true. Yeah, cool-looking place. Nice. There's Sua Shrine which is located kind of above the city on the hills mm. and has a really good view of the city. Uh, big stone Tory gate marking the entrance. And there's a bunch of spiritual type monuments there as well. Fun. Worth checking out from what I hear. Mm -hmm. So there's another little island called Dejima. And the history of Dejima goes back to the Dutch who set up an international trading port on the island back, I think, in like the 1600s. It was the only outside trading port in Japan until the mid-1800s. Hmm. 
And because of some land reclamation projects, Dejima is actually connected to Nagasaki now. I was going to say, it looks like it was an, so it was an artificial island originally made for trading, right? And now it's kind of been incorporated into the city as it, as the city expanded out into the water. I'm not sure if it was artificial or not to begin with. That's what it says on Google Maps. Then it was. But yeah, eventually it's connected now. Mm-hmm. Even though I heard there's plans to restore it back to being an island. So I don't know. Weird. I don't know what they're doing with that. But Dejima seemed cool because it's got all the old reconstructed buildings and some original ones that give a glimpse into like the old Dutch life there. Cool. And it's like a skinny island. So it's just like one main street that heads straight down the island. So it's kind of uh, easy to explore in a way. So I thought that looked cool. Did you hear about, I don't even know how to say this because my Dutch is not good. Hus ten Busch? Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> you had me going there. You had me going there. It's one of the largest theme parks in Japan. And it's uh, located near Nagasaki. It's a Dutch theme park? Yes. Like Dutch themed theme park? Yeah, it goes all the way back. Well, the park doesn't, but the location goes back to 1609 when the Dutch first begin trading with the Japanese from that location. What kind of park? What it's, do they a, have there? it's a theme park. So the name means house in the woods. And the idea is that you're transported back to old Holland when you enter the place. It's wow. a lifelike Dutch place. All the buildings are Dutch. Even the buildings bordering the park are in the Dutch style. They're actual homes owned by people, but they're like Dutch style, so they fit in. It's kind of like borrowed scenery for the park. (laughs) Sounds very cool. Yeah. They've got a bunch of museums in the park, which is kind of cool because that's not like a normal theme park, right? Yeah. Like there's actual museums there, including a chocolate museum, a robot museum, a porcelain museum. All right. There's a bunch of amusement rides. There's gardens. There's tons of flowers because the Dutch are famous for their tulip fields. Yeah. So in the summer, there's tulips everywhere. And then at 6 p.m. every night, it turns into this amazing light show, apparently. They even project images onto the canals running through the park. Nice. So I don't know. I thought that was like cooler than most theme parks I've seen. Yeah. I want, I want to visit. I'm the pictures looked really impressive. I bet. That was the last thing I had for Nagasaki. Okay. Well, let's head east of Nagasaki, shall we? Yeah, what's over there? Well, if we cross the Ariake Sea, we get to a place called Kumamoto, mm. where you can see Kumamoto Castle, which is considered one of the top three castles in Japan. I've heard good things. Yeah. It's also, it has a, an interesting history. This was where the Meiji government defended against 20,000 samurai during the Satsuma Rebellion in 1877. Ooh. That was the last rebellion of the Meiji Restoration, so pretty big deal. Okay. This castle is also known for never having succumbed to attack ever in its over 400-year history. That's impressive. Uh Uh-huh. And the keep, the main keep is actually a concrete reconstruction built in 1960, But there are several original wooden buildings in the complex as well. But the castle was also heavily damaged by an earthquake in 2016, 
and is currently being restored. So right now might not be the best time to visit. Maybe wait till it's been uh, rebuilt a little more. Oh man, not been a good couple years for castles in the Kyushu region. Yeah. Um, there's a famous garden there, Suizenji Jojuen, which sounds super cool. So we've mentioned the Tokaido Shinkansen before, right? The Tokaido was a trail that historically connected Edo, Tokyo, and Kyoto. That was the main route that people used to get between those two cities. And this garden reproduces the 53 post stations along that ancient trail. That's interesting. Yeah, so you can see all these landmarks, like miniaturized versions of them in this garden. There's a miniature Mount Fuji there. Okay. It's one of the stations. Of course, yeah. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Nice little promenade garden. You can walk around and pretend you're walking from Tokyo to Kyoto. So I want to talk about Miyazaki next. Miyazaki is on the East Coast, like just south of Oita Prefecture. So Southeast Kyushu. Well, again, this is, Miyazaki is the name of the prefecture and a city, right? Right, right. I'm talking about the prefecture and Miyazaki City is kind of, yeah, the Southeast Coast. Okay. So Miyazaki City is known for its excellent surfing conditions all year round. Awesome. There's three beaches all within the city limits that have popular surfing spots. There's also the Ikime Burial Mounds in Miyazaki. There's a visitor's center where you can learn about the burial mounds and some of the ancient activities of people there. Mm. So I thought that's cool. I'm really into like ancient history, like as far back as you can possibly go. So I like stuff like that. Also in Miyazaki Prefecture is Udo Jingu, which is a shrine dedicated to the father of Jimu who was Japan's mythical first emperor. Mm. And the main shrine building is actually set inside of a cave in a cliff face overlooking the sea. Awesome. It looks really cool. And it's believed to bring good luck to newly married couples. So that's cool. Yeah. Also about a 30-minute drive from Miyazaki City is the Kaeda Valley. It's a forested area. That's got dozens of walking paths. So there's hikes of all levels. You can do like an all day bust your butt hike, or you could do like a one hour stretch your legs hike. It's supposed to be a really beautiful place with all sorts of trails you can walk on. Awesome. We've mentioned a lot about different hiking areas in other regions, but you know, all these different hiking spots are different because Different parts of Japan have very different climates. So you're going to find very different looking forests in the Kyushu region than the rest of Japan. Yeah, it's far enough south with that subtropical climate that I'm sure it's going to be, it's going to have a different look and feel to it. Yeah. So there's a place in Miyazaki Prefecture called Obi Town, and it's known as the Kyoto of Kyushu. Hmm. It seems like kind of like a small town. It's got a bunch of former samurai residences. There's streams full of carp. There's a former castle grounds there. The castle itself has a really beautiful like entrance gate that apparently everyone likes to take pictures in front of because it looks really cool. And once you're inside the castle grounds, there's a museum. You can go see the restored private residences of the lords of the castle for an additional fee. 
but the castle grounds themselves are totally free to explore. And it's got a cedar tree grove of 140-year-old cedar trees mm. that on a not busy day is like really quiet and secluded and peaceful. Nice. Last place in Miyazaki that I saw that looked really cool was Tekachiho Gorge. It was formed by the lava of Mount Aso, which I believe you mentioned earlier, Jason, is the most active volcano in Japan. I did. And over time, the lava eroded this big uh, gorge that's filled by the Gokasegawa River. That looks really cool. Yeah. So if you go to this gorge, you can rent a boat and like row past these huge volcanic walls. Yeah. They look like just black stone. Like there's nothing growing out of the walls of this gorge, but then there's a bunch of greenery up top. And there are like little waterfalls running down the sides of the gorge. Looks really pretty. Yeah. That's the last I had for Miyazaki. Maybe a random time to mention it, but we've talked before in other episodes about how you rarely need a car in Japan. Mm -hmm. And Kyushu, you can definitely get around without a car. But if you want to take day trips from some of these cities, it kind of looked like car might have been the easiest way to go. There might be some buses and stuff going down there, but this might be one of the times if you want to get out into like rural Kyushu a little bit, where renting a car might actually be a really good idea. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to get out into the wilderness, there might not be train lines going out there. So if we go southwest from Miyazaki, we're going to end up in Kagoshima Prefecture. So we're on the southern tip of the island of Kyushu now. And this is Japan's second largest tea producing area after Shizuoka Prefecture. I didn't know that. Yeah. So a lot of tea there. You can visit plantations for tours, experience the tea culture. Uh, make sure to check out our tea episode we did not too long ago to learn about that. Yeah. This area is also known for volcanoes and national parks, those hot springs around the volcanoes. And this prefecture also includes some smaller islands southwest of Kyushu, one of which is called Yakushima. And this island is known for wildlife and cedar forests. Looks like a really pretty place. If you want to do hiking, this is definitely one of the big spots in the Kyushu region to visit. You got streams, waterfalls. In the pictures I saw, it looks like everything is covered in moss, which is like my favorite type of place to hike around, you know? Yeah, those places look like the feel of like a moss covered place. It feels old. It feels ancient. Yeah. It looks like a magical wonderland. I have that in my notes here. Magical <laughs> wonderland. Nice. Kagoshima, what I saw that was famous for the industrial revolution in Japan started in Kagoshima. Oh yeah. Yeah. There were 17 young men that broke the Tokugawa ban on foreign travel. And they traveled to England and then the United States and then returned back to Japan with all the Western science and technology they learned about. Wow. And there's also the Museum of the Meiji Restoration there as well. Mm, cool. So let's head southwest of the island of Kyushu because there's a bunch of other stuff out there that is also part of the Kyushu region. You're going to find the Ryukyu Islands, which is a chain of islands that stretches between that main island of Kyushu down to Taiwan, pretty much. 
And there are a bunch of little tiny islands. Some of them are uninhabited. A lot of them have not very many inhabitants. But some of them have quite a few people. For example, the island of Okinawa. And again, there are a couple different ways that name is used. It is both the name of the prefecture down there that includes a bunch of those little islands and the name of the largest island in the prefecture. And you might wonder why is Okinawa part of the Kyushu region since it's so far away, like it's about 200 miles from that main island of Kyushu. But as we mentioned earlier, Okinawa prefecture was sort of tacked on when it was annexed by Japan in the late 1800s after the Meiji Restoration. Yeah, and it just kind of makes sense. I mean, there's only eight regions in Japan, and there's just not enough population in the Ryukyuan Islands to really justify being the ninth region. Yeah. So it just got tacked on to the nearest region. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of a totally different thing, culturally yeah. and everything else, too. Right, right. And uh, you mentioned renting a car. This would be a good place to do that, too, if you're going to get around the island of Okinawa. It's possible to visit without a car. That's how I did it, actually. I didn't rent a car. And a good main base, if you're going to do a trip to Okinawa, is the capital city, which is called Naha. There's a lot of cool stuff to see in Naha. You can spend a couple days just wandering around the city. You can check out Kokusaidori, which is the main tourist street. You're going to have tons of restaurants and shops, a very lively place. You can check out Shuri Castle, which, uh, again, burned down not too long ago. Maybe we should start calling it Shuri Castle Ruins. They're not going to let it go that far. They're (laughs) rebuilding. It's coming back. Yeah. Uh, You got the former Japanese Navy underground headquarters, which I talked about in my trip recap. That's a really crazy place to visit if you're interested in World War II history. Uh, You got Fukushuen, which is a beautiful Japanese garden there. You could take a bus from Naha up to the Churaumi Aquarium if you don't have a car. There's a little group of islands west of Naha called the Karama Islands. So these aren't very populated, but they're known for their amazing beaches, snorkeling, scuba diving, etc. If you saw a picture that I posted on Instagram of this really super beautiful beach that I hung out on for a day. Ah, it looks so good. Yeah, that's one of the Karama Islands. Nice. Yeah. But they all, they all look like they just so have beautiful beaches and not a lot of You just take a boat there and just chilled on the beach for like five, six hours and then took a boat back? Yeah. There are a couple of ferries that go from the port in Naha out to those islands. That's really, awesome. really easy to get out sounds there. Sounds like such a relaxing, nice day. Yeah. And you can stay on those islands too if you don't even want to have to take the boat back to Naha at the end of the day. They're pretty great, those islands. Uh, a little further southwest of Okinawa, the island of Okinawa, are the Yaeyama Islands. These are the southernmost and westernmost inhabited islands of Japan. Yes. These islands are a paradise for beaches. They've got snorkeling and diving, if you're into that. The beautiful, crystal clear waters you think of in a beautiful tropical island. Yeah. These like I said, are the furthest south. So these are the most tropical of those Ryukyu islands. And one of the islands, uh, Taketomi Island, has a beautifully preserved traditional Ryukyu village on it. Yeah, that looks really cool. That island is also known for jungles that you can explore. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. So the most populated of the Aoyama Islands is called Ishigaki Island. This might be where you want to make kind of your home base if you want to explore the other little islands in the area. 
yeah, this seemed like the place to go if you like really want that tropical island vacation. Yeah. Like this is this is the place to go in Japan. Totally. And I mentioned Iriomote Island earlier in the episode somewhere, I think. So that island looks pretty awesome. They have tropical rainforests, bona fide tropical rainforests. Nice. And it's known for an animal. Which animal? It's called the Iriomote cat. Ooh, what's that? It is a small wild cat that only lives on this island. You can't find it anywhere else in the world. Oh, wow. Yeah, just this little tiny island. This cat is said to have lived there for 200,000 years, but it wasn't even discovered until 1967. What? Isn't that crazy? Wow. But sadly, they are now critically endangered. As of 2007, there were only an estimated 100 to 109 individual cats remaining. It's funny how we discover something and then a couple decades later, it's endangered. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, we should have just never discovered this. this yeah. Cat. And that was the most recent stats I could find. It was 2007. In the 12 years since, well, 13 years now, I guess, 2020. It's hard when they only live on one island. Yeah. I know? really wonder what. How they survive like all that days. time. That's crazy. Yeah. That's all I got. All right, well, let's sum it up. Why should you go to the Kyushu region? Maybe you want to experience a different climate, get that subtropical to tropical feel. Maybe you want some of the highest rated hot springs in Japan. Yeah, or maybe you want to check out the source of those hot springs, those volcanoes. That would be pretty cool. I want to hike up a volcano and look into the caldera. Yeah, that seems awesome. Maybe you want to visit some little tiny islands, see what it's like out there. Lay on some beautiful beaches. Maybe you want to get a taste of Japanese culture where they're a little bit more relaxed than they are further up north. Mm -hmm. Maybe you want to try some of the delicious local foods down there. I got to say, like, I was always thinking like, oh, someday I should get to Kyushu. But after doing all the research for this episode, I am so pumped to go to Kyushu. Like, I want to go to Fukuoka. I want to go to all those other places. Like, I'm so ready to go now. Yeah, you could spend a lot of time there. A lot I of cool could, stuff. I might have to skip Tokyo, Kyoto, that stuff, my next trip, and just hit up uh, Hokkaido and Kyushu. Yeah. Can't wait. I can't wait. I gotta make it happen. Definitely. Well, sounds like that's the end of the episode. If you want to check out some cool pictures of stuff in Kyushu, check out our Instagram at SJP Podcast. And if you want to reach out to us, you can send an email to feedback at sightseeingjapanpodcast.com. Or if you go to our website, sightseeingjapanpodcast.com, we have a contact form on there too if you don't want to send us an email. Speaking of feedback, yeah. on our next episode, for the very first time, we will be doing a listener-requested topic. Yeah, what is that? We're going to be doing our next episode about taiko drumming. Yeah. Maybe you've seen taiko. Taiko is just the Japanese word for drum. And actually, there are a bunch of different types of Japanese drums. But maybe you've seen those big giant ones that they hit with those big giant wooden sticks. Yeah. They're really loud and booming. And I've seen a couple performances in person, and they're really impressive. You've seen them in person? Yeah. Where? In the U.S. Huh. Like they were touring or whatever, spreading their culture. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, I'm looking forward to that episode. I have a bit of a background in percussion myself, actually. I've never played bit, Japanese bit, drums, huh? but yeah. Good, good. It should, be, it should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Definitely. 
And I actually wanted to end this episode with a little recording. Of what? Well, I took all these recordings on my last trip to Japan to use in the podcast, and I kind of forgot about them, but we talked about the Kyushu region, and I have a recording from the Kyushu region, specifically from Okinawa Prefecture, specifically from one of the Kurama Islands, even more specifically from Tokashiki Island, that beautiful beach that I hung out on. Next to that beach, I wandered into the forest a little bit, and it just blew me away how loud it was in there. All these insects. Like, it sounds like an actual rainforest. So I I made a little recording of that. I thought that was pretty cool. Just alive with life? Yeah. Oh, that sounds cool. It was amazingly loud. Well, let's hear it. Yeah. Take us Uh, out, Jason. All right. Enjoy. Thanks for listening. See you next time.